Well, this past month, starting at the beginning of September, we have been looking at this theme of knowing God. That's been our theme for the month. And so we started out at the beginning of September by looking at the character of God. And Pastor Kevin helped us to see that well, this is really no small task, but we kind of took on that challenge anyway. And we scratched the surface in our understanding of the eternal, almighty creator of the world. And then last week we looked at prayer and we looked at how God speaks to us if we will but humble ourselves and seek his face. And so now this week we're going to continue this exploration of knowing God uh, by looking at scripture as a lens and a foundation for revealing to us our Lord and our Savior. So our text today comes from 2 Timothy 3 verses 10 through 17. Now, for a little background here, uh, Paul is writing to his brother in the faith, Timothy. And Paul has sent Timothy on a variety of missions, and they are co sender of several letters. And so Paul starts out by sharing his struggles. And so he says to Timothy, Timothy, you, however, you know all about my teachings, you know, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. But then Paul goes on to say, yet the Lord, he rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then after Paul shares about the trials of following Christ, he goes on to tell Timothy, but as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So we know here from the first chapter of this book that Timothy is actually a third generation Christian in his family. The Christian faith was passed down to him by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And his faith continues to be edified and nurtured through his mentor and brother in the gospel, Paul. And then Paul goes on to say these words to Timothy, starting in verse 16. He says, all scripture is God breathed and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now we need to know that to kind of understand this more, we need to know that at the time of this writing, there was no New Testament. Paul may not even know this, but he is becoming part of this God-breathed writing. So in this context here, the Holy Scriptures, they can only refer to what we know as the Old Testament. Since when this letter was written, there was no you know, Christian Scriptures or New Testament. And these Scriptures, they're not infallible 
or error-free in all matters, including things like natural science and geography. But they're highly valuable in showing people how to live as God wants them to be. And the idea here is not so much that God breathed into these human writers, but rather that he himself breathed through these human authors to give them the words that we have on the page. So we would say that God is the ultimate source. You know, we would sometimes say God is the ultimate author of the Bible. So these 39 books of the Old Testament, that's what Paul's referring to here. And yet Paul refers to them as though they're just one book with one author, God. And these books were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they were carried along by the wind of the Spirit. We would kind of say it's kind of like a ship that's being pulled along by its sails. That's the image of speech that Peter uses. They were filled with the Spirit so that what they wrote was, in fact, their words. We believe, though, in kind of a double authorship. It's a human book, and we read it like any other human book. But at the same time, what they wrote was what God wanted to communicate. So it's his word, too. And so basically, what happens here is when you open your Bible at the kitchen table in the morning, the Holy Spirit testifies that the spirit you are encountering is a living voice. And it's God's own voice breathing his words to you. And the Reformed theologian John Calvin said, you know, the Bible is like eyeglasses that allow us to see God. And without the spectacles of scripture, we're like an old person, right? With blurry vision, unable to see God or to see God in creation. And in the event of reading the scripture in faith, our biblical eyeglasses allow us to see God. And to see God in creation around us. Well, what what does this look like anyway? Well, a few weeks ago, our, our son had his first uh, first JV football game, so we made the trek to Kingsley. And I noticed at the game that a friend of mine had a, a pretty brilliant idea. I thought, um, you see, hanging from her neck was a really nice set. Of binoculars and I thought wow that's a great idea you know if you really want to get in on the action of the game and get up close and personal with the players a good set of binoculars will take you there and so for the next game you know we had to leave a little early because the game was in Beale City and I told Gary well we need to go to Jay's because I need my own set of binoculars for the game So we had to go to that really nice glass counter with the guys that are really, really knowledgeable, and they'll sell you amazing binoculars. I kind of went to the lower end of that counter to some more affordable binoculars for us. But, you know, I just thought, I, I know very little about this game of football, but I love those kids playing on the field. And, and even with my feeble attempts of understanding this tackling game, my heart's desire is to see those plays like up close and personal. And that's kind of how we see the big picture of life with the Bible. You know, the Bible wasn't meant to tell us how to make a great pie or the best cleaning tips for washing your car. But when it comes to the big picture of how we are to walk through our daily lives, 
Scripture gives us this lens for how to see the world. It's as if we put on our binoculars and we read the scripture, and that clearer lens allows us to see the big picture of God within this world. You know, it's like you go here in the morning and you put your binoculars on and you read the scripture, and then you go out in the world and you say, oh, that's how I'm supposed to view this situation. That's how I'm supposed to walk with this. That's what scripture is given to us for And the testimony of the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation is that God speaks to his people, if we will, but put on our spiritual binoculars to see him in the world. So that we can ask questions of ourselves like, you know, what what is God's will? Because you see, we are naturally self-centered people. We're industrious people. We always want to accomplish something. And the idea of of doing God's will, it sounds exciting, but sometimes we're so busy carrying out our own plans that we actually do believe help us achieve God's purposes, but we don't really truly find out what he wants. And we wear ourselves out accomplishing little for the kingdom of God. And I think God is crying out to us and he's saying, Don't just do something. Stand there. You know, first enter into a love relationship with me. Get to know me. Adjust your life to me. Our relationship with God must come first. And out of our walk with God, he accomplishes his plans for the world. So I wonder here today, why do churches hire pastors? What are their expectations of a pastor? What is it they most desire from them? Well, if I went around the room today, I'm sure I would get a lot of different answers. You know, we expect the pastor to preach and to teach, to lead ministry teams, to reach people for Christ. We surely expect them to drive the speed limit, I would think. To visit the sick and the elderly, to provide a clear vision for the church. You know, there are lots of things that people tell the pastor they should do. But I hope that the one answer that you would give above all of these is that your desire is for your pastor to know God. I know that's not very quantitative or qualitative, but your pastor should have a daily walk with the Lord reading scripture, spending time in prayer, seeking God's will, praying over the congregation. Isn't that the greatest desire of a congregation? For their pastors to know God and to have a personal relationship with him. I don't know if you realize this, but the pastor standing before you today uh, barely passed her classical exam back in March of 2020. There were all kinds of red flags that day for the CRC pastors in this area as they did their classical examination of her. I had studied hard for this exam, but I didn't really give a lot of the answers they wanted to hear. I was brutally honest that day. I told them that I was struggling with my devotional life. After five years of seminary and drinking information from a fire hose, I was exhausted. I had lost all sense of devotional rhythm. 
I told them I was struggling to know where to stand with some of those hot button topics facing the church today. And then add on top of that, the fact that I am a female in a very conservative area and it was a recipe for a disaster. By the grace of God and some wonderful people in the room that day, I'm here to speak to you of God's abiding faithfulness and opening the door for me in ministry. But I do have to tell you that the youth pastor you hired here wasn't at her spiritual best when you brought her on board. And the truth is, is that she will continue to struggle all of her life to be still and to wait on the Lord and to trust him. Please don't tell Pastor Kevin what I'm going to tell you today. Well, actually, okay, go ahead, because I've told him this multiple times. But, but I want you to know that you have a lead pastor who is constantly seeking God's will. He's constantly praying over you and praying over this church. And you may not always find him to be doing everything that you want him to do. But I can tell you that he is constantly seeking God's will and spending time in scripture with a deep desire to please the Lord and him only. And he's been instrumental in my own walk with Christ and learning how to follow God's lead. And he has been much to me like Paul was to Timothy. And he's given me a new set of binoculars where I'm no longer drinking from that theological fire hose, but rather, rather one that drenches me in prayer and trusting God and seeking his will and believing he has beautiful things in store for his people. And this new place, it's much like a nice, soothing shower instead of that fire hose, right? It's, it's that kind of shower that you don't want to leave, the kind that makes you like 20 minutes late for work. You know, the Bible, it, it's very human and it's very messy and it's also big and it's long and it can be a bit intimidating, but the Bible is understandable. And for the rest of this message, I'm going to lean pretty heavily on a pastor named James Howell, because I think he does a great job of helping us understand this passage more fully. And Pastor James says, he shares this story that's kind of humorous. And he says, you know, an attorney came to me and he said, James, I have tried and I have tried, but I just can't make any sense out of the Bible. And Pastor James replies, you've got to be kidding me. You attorneys are the people who devise complex documents that we have to pay yet another attorney to explain to us. And you can't understand the Bible. My grandpa with an eighth grade education understood every word in this book and he treasured it and he lived by it. So what is the function of this curious little book anyway? Well, 2 Timothy tells us, all scripture, it is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that men and women of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. 
Many times we focus too much on the nature of scripture as if this word inspired means it has some radioactive holy property. No, God reaches down and he uses the Bible to be profitable for teaching. How do we know what we know and especially about God? Well, how good of him to give us a book, actually a whole library of books, not easily simplified, not easily broken down, but instead a lifelong reading project. How else would a good yet complex God be known to us? Scripture is also profitable for training in righteousness, not just training in knowing religious facts, but training in righteousness. If you read a good book, it, it might make you good. But reading this book might actually save your soul. And Lord, we desperately need a training manual in righteousness. We live in a culture where anything goes, where pleasure trumps the good, and God gets reinvented into whatever image that suits us. And there are books about Christianity or books about the Bible or even Jesus, and they're popular and they're well-marketed books. And the plot of these books is God exists to serve me. And then there's another set of books and they're not so popular. They're not so hip and they, they have lower sales, but they are the ones to read because their plot is we exist to serve God. And it's hard. That's what the Bible is pretty clear about. Little Bible nuggets that are tasty and soothing don't really get at the heart of this book of lunacy that God has bequeathed to us. How fascinating 2 Timothy 3 says, all scripture is inspired. Really? All of it? All the sorry sagas of broken families, powerful men and women who lusted for power and for sex, believers whose feeble faith must have made God or onlookers chuckle, idolatry, crass misbehavior, gross misunderstandings, and even those rich, beautiful portions of scripture become pearls before the proverbial swine, which would be us. You know, I was looking at Facebook this week and Mark Lachance uh, posted uh, this post and it said, I've been looking and I'm trying to find any good fathers that exist in the Bible. Any of those earthly fathers that were good. He said, I, I can't find one. And I thought, you know, well, we can kind of grasp at straws and people were trying to do that. But really, the Bible is full of fathers who were terrible at the calling they had. And yes, this is the all scripture that is inspired. Messy, human, broken, miserably lacking in potential and lackluster in performance. Why would God use such a book? Well, you see, because God wanted the book to make sense <laughs> to people like you and people like me. Because God wants to redeem the broken and the messed up. God's very project is to save us. And to do that, he became one of us. A poor, no-account guy from the middle of nowhere recruits a few followers. And even those fail him miserably. 
He's accused of partying too heavily, carousing with the wrong types. And then he dies this brutal criminal death, a shameful showing for a sad human being, much less God Almighty. This is God's story, and this is my story, and it's yours. And it really is a stunningly beautiful story. What chance does the Bible have in our cynical, pluralistic, depressed era? Well, none if we holler that this or that verse suits us as inspired. No, you see, the Bible is this quirky, surprisingly alluring ballad, and we can trust its beauty. The Bible isn't this big fist. It's a beautiful tune. It's a wildflower that a child picks to bring to their mom. It's an infant's fingers reaching out to the cradle. It's a beautiful painting to behold our binoculars in hand to see it. The Bible is a lovely thing, a motley mess, as broken down and vulnerably human as Jesus being nailed to a cross. And in its pages, we glimpse the very heart of God himself. And we read on with our heads bowed, so very grateful that all scripture is inspired. And it is profitable for teaching and for reproof and correction and for training us in this thing called righteousness. That we might be complete and equipped for every good work including the reading of the Bible. Sometimes our minds, they wander and we get busy and we're just not sure we're really going to read it today or absorb anything that we do read it in it, even if we did open it. But then we remember when we put on those biblical binoculars, God is pleased and we surely do want to please him. And so we take it and we read wonderful words of life. And then our hearts, they find the peace that we are so desperately longing for. And it gives us the strength to walk through yet another day. Gripping our binoculars and eagerly awaiting to see how we fit into this beautiful, grand narrative of scripture. Would you please pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for the gifts, the Bible, scriptures, and we ask that you would use it as a lens, a lens to teach us and to correct us when we are wrong, to train us in righteousness so that we truly may be complete to know you and to serve you. In your most precious name. Amen.